What good is a promise? So many get broken, remain unfulfilled, should never have been made in the first place or believed. For every promise kept, we can name two that others have broken, or ten we failed to keep ourselves. But God, when God makes a promise, there is no breaking, no failure, no maybe, no might, no probably. For what God has sworn, He will do. My name is Wendy, and if I haven't met you before, I'm the community outreach pastor around here. But before I was the community outreach pastor, I taught classes like Me, Myself, and Lies, and led groups like 12 Steps. And before that, I volunteered to lead a small group for single moms. And before that, I was one of the first blessing stories that we told of a family that your generosity had helped when they needed it most. And before that, I joined a small group. I had to figure out what this authentic Christian community business was all about, and I did in spades. And before that, I'd sit in the back of the 1115 sleep-in service, and I'd take notes, and I wanted to be experiencing more of God than I currently was. These days, I am the proud mama of a verbally gifted teenage daughter who just graduated from Squalicum High School Friday night. Go, Cynthia. Like me, she has strong opinions and plenty of words. So it's not uncommon for her to come home, tell me 47 things really fast, da, 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 run upstairs, change her clothes, and back out the door. I call them verbal drive-bys. And while they are a good mode of communication for the quick stuff, they aren't where closeness or intimacy are built. And I have to say, a few years ago, after one of said, the, you know, these verbal drive-bys, God leaned into me and whispered, so sometimes when you're praying, that's a whole lot like I feel. Oh, I saw his point. Often I talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, amen, and I'm off. I haven't let the guy get a word in edgewise. I haven't heard from his perspective, and I certainly don't feel more connected to him necessarily. But I wouldn't say that the opportunity is to always dive into the deep, deep conversations of life. I mean, think about your relationships. Sometimes it's quick and it's easy and it's about stuff. And sometimes you just want to set time aside to be together and see what comes up. For me, I think I've learned that in terms of our conversation with God, it really is about what we expect from prayer. So I grew up in a pretty traditional church. I would say it was very solid, very mm, practical, traditional, whatever you want to call it. Um, they taught me a lot about Christianity and also about churchianity in my first 18 years. They taught me a lot about prayer. They told me to pour out my thoughts and my feelings to God, to praise him and to thank him, to confess. They taught me how to talk to God. And as I watched the adults around me, they showed me what that looked like, whether it was at the dinner table or at church or at my bedside. So I think as I grew up, I learned what it meant to talk to God, but I never learned how to listen. My journey with these promises we're going to look at today began on a rock a rock up at Malibu, which is a camp for young life up in BC. It is a beautiful place. I had the chance to go there on work crew the summer after I graduated from high school. And I remember one day my leader said, all right, you're going to go out and find a spot all by yourself and you're going to ask God to speak to you. Huh, that's going to be new. But I did it. 
I went out and I found a spot out by the tennis courts back then, uh, and I'll show you the view from that exact spot. That's what I was looking at. So I settle myself down, I'm looking out at the mountains, and I'm thinking, and I'm thinking, and I'm thinking of 42 other things, and I'm trying to get my mind to quiet. And about the time it gets quiet, I start thinking, wait, what if he doesn't talk to me? And then I start wondering, am I doing it wrong? And then I get a little panicky. And so I remember saying something like, God, this is stupid. What do you want to say to me? I love you. What? I love you. And I just love you, Wendy. That was not my voice. It was his. And I dissolved in tears. I had grown up singing Jesus Loves Me, and I believed it, but I had never experienced it for myself. That was that moment for me that sent me down a path. So if you fast forward down that path of many stumbling attempts at conversation with God, lots of loving correction by my father about what I believed about him and also what I believed about prayer. Fast forward through journals full of intimate encounters between God and I, encounters that changed me, encounters that grew me, that challenged me. And this has become my passion. I want every Christian to be able to hear and recognize the voice of God for themselves. It is one of our greatest privileges. So for the last 10 years, I've been teaching a class around here called Hearing God. So today I'm going to bring you a few of the truths from the Bible mixed in with a little bit of my own experience, but also drawing from what I've watched as several hundred other CTKers have wrestled with what prayer could be if it was a dialogue instead of a monologue. And isn't conversation kind of the building block of all relationships? So I don't want to just pick out one good little scripture on prayer. I actually want you to know that all throughout the Bible we see God's invitation. Let's talk, he says to Moses to Deborah, to Philip, to Mary. Let's talk, he says to you and to me. You see, it's about intimacy. I know you, says God in the Psalms, and I want you to know me, Jesus prays in the book of John. I mean, think about it. Do you have any close relationships with people you don't talk to ever? No? It turns out that one of the real indicators of the strength of any relationship is the quality and the depth of the communication they share. And that is equally true for our relationship with Jesus. And by the way, I'm not making any assumptions that we all pray in the same way or that we even believe the same things about prayer. Turns out, CTK, we are a pretty eclectic bunch. There are folks in our midst who grew up Catholic, who grew up Pentecostal, who grew up in every kind of church in between. Some of you didn't do church before you came to CTK. And some of you are just beginning to figure out what this life with Jesus might look like. But to every single one of us, the invitation remains the same. Let's talk. And what I find is that most of us want exactly that. We want to be closer to God. We want to know that he's there. And we'd like to have access to his wisdom, his perspective on our lives and the world around us. So I could have pulled any number of promises on prayer, even on specifically hearing from God. But I picked these three because I think they paint a pretty clear picture of the conversation that God's inviting us to. Let's start with James 4.8. It says, God, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Period. No exceptions. You aren't going to be the one that gets left out. God isn't playing hard to get, and he's not expecting you to crack some secret code. He's not hiding. 
I wanna go back to something that Brady said last week, and if you missed that message, I really encourage you to go out to the website and grab that, listen to the whole thing. But here's the sentence that stuck with me all week. He said, the promises of God are anchored in God's character, not our performance. Think about what that means about prayer. You can't get it wrong. He wants this conversation more than you do. He's working to make this happen. He just needs your response. Then in Psalm 116, David describes his experience of God listening. He said, I love the Lord for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. This is the consistent experience we see in the Old Testament and the New Testament, in the early church and in the church for centuries and in this church right now today. God promises that he is listening, he hears us, and he cares. And then we come to one of my favorite promises, Jeremiah 33.3, which says, Call to me, says the Lord, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. So here's where I just have to put in a little side note. Normally when we throw around the phrase, you know, God answers prayer, I think we all jump to the end game, right? The outcome, the action, the resolution, if you will. I'd like you to first maybe think about God answering prayer, more like answering the phone. Hey God, it's Wendy. I'd love to tell you about my day. You will not guess what happened. Hey, I'm here. Tell me. I'd love to hear about it. The good news is God always picks up. He never sends us to voicemail. He never leaves us on red. If we have ears to hear, he will always answer us and tell us great and unsearchable things that we don't already know. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking around and thinking there are a few things that are too big for humans to solve. And there are a few messes that we're not gonna get untangled without Jesus. So I, for one, am pretty interested in hearing some great and unsearchable things that we don't already know. We need that from him. So three promises tell us that God is available, God's listening, and God wants to talk to us. As I've walked this road with many of you, one thing I think we all experience at the beginning is that self-doubt. Wait, is that him or me? Is that me or him? Is that my thoughts or is that God talking? How do you know? And I always point people back to the way Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd in John 10. He says, When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Did you catch the promise? We can know his voice. That should give us the courage to listen. This promise means that we can learn how to distinguish God's voice as different and distinct than our own thoughts, the lies of the enemy, and the myriad of voices around us and in the world. We can know our shepherd's voice. The second speed bump people usually hit is more about this whole idea of getting it wrong. Uh, Wendy, am I doing this right? And I always respond lovingly, but kind of kidding them. I don't think there's one good way to have a conversation, but I understand your fears. And with that, I answer with these promises. I mean, if you read Jesus' last prayer to the believers before he left earth, it is three chapters in John just packed with promises. About a dozen of them are about the Holy Spirit. Listen to this one. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. When he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. 
He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So if you're unsure about hearing from God, can I just say, Jesus has already stacked this game in your favor. He sent you the Holy Spirit, who will guide you, who will teach you all things, including some great and unsearchable ones, if you ask. And also, he will remind you what Jesus already taught us. That's a whole lot of help. Help that I believe we need more than we realize. But we'll get to that in a minute. All right. We've got five promises inviting us into a conversation with Almighty God himself. But before we get to some really practical how to do it, I want to give you a warning because I've also watched more than a few folks fall in some pretty predictable ditches here. I want to tell you that together, the Bible and conversational prayer working in conjunction is how we hear the clearest communication of what God would say to us. Without one or the other, we get off balance. In fact, it reminds me of binoculars. Have you guys ever used a pair of these, right? With them, if you get them into focus and you look through both eyes, you can see a whole lot of things very clearly. But if you close one eye, everything gets blurry and distorted, and you can mess with the focus all you want. You can't see clearly. I think what hurts my heart the most is when I am sitting with a person who is just dying to know what God would say to them, but looking through one lens, they're confused and they're unsure. I also have talked to many folks who are looking through one eye and they're actually convinced they're seeing perfectly fine, thank you very much. And the problem there is that they often do damage to themselves and to others by sharing their blurry views. Think of the Bible as a fence, right? It marks the boundary between truth and not truth. And prayer, our conversations with God, fill in all this space that the truth leaves open to us. We need both the fence and the space to hear from God well. So friends, if you tend to rely on prayer for hearing from God and you don't know your Bible well enough to be able to ground what you're hearing in the unchanging truth of scripture, sooner or later you will find yourself in the weeds. I'm awfully worried about Christians right now who are spending hours upon hours consuming news feeds and blogs and posts and political speeches to figure things out. Lately, when folks send me a video or a link, something they'd like me to look at, I do. But the conversation I'm most interested in having and that I try to start with them begins with this question. So tell me about where you find this point of view represented in Scripture. You see, I actually believe that the Bible is relevant to every part of life. And as Christians, we are called to care more what Jesus says about everything than what anybody else says. In fact, we are called to put in the time to understand what the word of God says so that it is our highest filter and everything else coming our way passes through that filter. The problem and where we get lost and out of sync with God is when we make something else the filter and try and pass things through that, even the word of God. Does that make sense? You have to have your filter set straight. And then we've got things on the other side. Right? The folks who seem to only be looking through the lens of God's word and not even the whole thing, maybe just the verses they've latched onto. Can I say that if we don't bring everything we find in scripture to God in a posture of submitted listening, then we are left to our own interpretation. We are limited by our own understanding and we are confined to our human perspective. People of God, 
our sin and brokenness means that we are all capable of misusing and misrepresenting scripture. When I see scripture used as a weapon, not against our enemy like Grant talked about, but he used against each other, I have to wonder what conversation God is looking to have with us about that verse and maybe a few others. As I watch people that I love hurling verses back and forth on social media right now, my heart is longing for the Holy Spirit to interrupt us and to guide us into all truth, to speak what he hears from the Father and remind us of what Jesus already taught us. So let's get down to the how. How do we go about, practically speaking, learning to hear the voice of God better, clearer, and more often as we pray? So good news, after years of watching people practice this, I've got it down to about three things that do in fact make a great deal of difference. The bad news, however, is not a single one of them is quick and easy. Not one. But I'm going to give them to you anyway. Talk less. Practice listening more. And ask God better questions. Think about your prayer times. How much time, honestly, do you spend talking? How much time do you spend listening? If you're like pretty much all of us, I wouldn't even say it's 50-50. Think about Cynthia and the verbal drive-bys, right? That is one way to communicate. It's maybe not the best way, or it doesn't work most of the time. When do you build time into your life to say all the things you want to say to God, and then not to get up and run off, but to actually sit and listen and see what he would say back to you? That's where the really good stuff comes. But what I've learned is that for most of us, as we actually sit and learn to be still before God, what we realize is that we don't have a lot of practice and maybe even enough patience for this two-way conversational prayer thing. Turns out there's nothing quick and easy about becoming a better listener. Not with your spouse, not with your friends, not with people you disagree with, and not even with God. I have seen people hit a wall of frustration and disappointment or fear and even shame as they try to develop prayer as a dialogue. And I always remind them, it takes practice and patience. Don't give up. I mean, did you hop on your bike the first time and ride off into the sunset? I doubt it. And what about the musical instrument that you now play wonderfully? Do you think Andy grabbed the guitar the first time and out came beautiful music? What he didn't do is say, well, that was awkward and didn't feel quite great and sounded terrible. I'm out. This isn't for me. And I'm afraid that too many Christians miss out on the very best parts of life with Christ for just that reason. They don't realize what's available if they would just invest the time and the effort to pursue the things of God. So that's exactly what we hope to do here at Christ the King, provide you guidance and help to pursue the things of God and invest in that relationship. And then we come to the questions. Oh, friends, the questions we ask God. Sometimes we like to go with the yes or no, right? Should I date this person? Should I take this job? Is it okay to watch this movie? And by the very questions that we ask, we limit what we expect to hear from God. We literally, our mind narrows and our ears focus in listening for what sounds more like a magic eight ball response than a conversation. Or some of us go with my personal favorite, the multiple choice. God, would you like me to tell that lady off, uh, never hang out with her again, or maybe forgive her and just let it go? By kind of 
tuning our ears to only hear this, we actually miss the still small voice of God saying, D, none of the above, or E, all of the above with the right heart motive, or Z, something great and unsearchable that you don't know so you couldn't put it on the list. We aren't thinking in terms of all that God might say back. And I must confess, if I'm honest with you guys, when I am hurting, when I am scared, when emotions are running high, I don't ask God anything. I tell him what to do in lots of spiritual language so it feels better. I tell him what to do. I make him a to-do list of how to fix my circumstances according to me. And the saddest part about that is it completely means I miss out on what he is longing to tell me. But in his kindness, he's taught me to ask better questions. Questions like, God, in the middle of this circumstance or relationship, what do you see that I don't? Or how about, Lord, where am I getting in the way of what you're actually trying to do here? Or Jesus, this hurts. What is it in the midst of this that you are trying to give me and how do I say yes to that? The great thing about open-ended questions is it leaves us free to hear whatever it is he would speak. Think of me on that rock in Malibu. I thought we were going this way with the conversation and what he needed me to hear was, I love you. He understood that before we could cover any other topics, I had to understand and experience his love for me. That was the place to start. If I'd been controlling the conversation, that's not where it would have gone. So one more story, and then we're actually going to pray. We're going to try and have a conversation with God right here this morning. Back in September, God spoke to me while I was reading the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And then Jesus leaned over kindly, said, Wendy, you don't actually know how to pray for others. You pray about them, especially your enemies the people you don't understand and the ones who've hurt you. That's hard to hear. But in that moment, the Bible and prayer together gave me an opportunity to stop talking and listen. And from there, God began to teach me how to pray for someone in my life who had hurt me deeply. In fact, he asked me to start a brand new journal and literally every day carve out time to ask him, God, how do I pray for this person today for them? not about them. And these pages are filled with talk after talk after talk, where God spoke truth into my heart, exposing my motives, my blind spots, my brokenness, and increasing my faith, and healing my wounds, and rebuilding that relationship. He's changing me as I come to understand that when I step away from love, I step out of sync with my Father. You see, any piece of scripture can't be rightly understood or applied if we don't see it from God's perspective. And God is always loving, no exceptions. But you have to know, even the hardest truth can be spoken in love if we let Jesus show us how. God's love is warm and wonderful, but it is also powerful. It is the light that drives out darkness. It is the source from which all wisdom and all justice flow. I don't know about you, but I'm watching the dominoes fall since George Floyd was killed, and I keep hearing God whisper, let's talk. Because I believe that God sees every moment of this country's history. Our proudest moments, our shameful moments, 
the moments we commemorate, and the moments we've forgotten. And God doesn't look down at this mess that it took us over 200 years to make and say, uh, now what? He's, his thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts that he can wrap himself around all this complexity and see it with great clarity and then point us on a path of redemption, of restoration, and of reconciliation. Only Jesus can do that. In 2020, I know there are so many causes that can and should be things we care about, but all of them find their place in the cause of Christ because only Jesus is standing in the space, occupying the place where there can truly be real justice for absolutely all. Only Jesus can help us find that place. That's why God's kingdom doesn't come through human institutions. It comes through one changed heart at a time. Through the obedient, sacrificial actions of his people, mobilized and coordinated by the Holy Spirit, we will see his kingdom come. If we will turn to him and listen and obey. So that's my challenge to you, Christ the King. I'm asking you to get your binoculars out and to filter every new current event and every interaction that you have in your life through the lenses of conversational prayer and scripture. Imagine what God wants to say to you, all the things he wants to talk about, and all the things you don't know that are great and unsearchable he's about to tell you. In fact, can we start right now, this morning? I'd like to invite you to a conversation with God. So if you're multitasking at home, come on back. And if your thoughts have wandered, can I ask you to come present to this moment? Maybe even hide the comments section so that God gets your full attention. When I first started practicing how to hear from God, I'll be honest with you, it took a full 45 minutes for my brain to slow down. And if that's you, can I say, don't give up. Hearing from God is so worth the practice it takes to teach our brains how to slow down and be still. And if you have kids listening with you, can I suggest that you enlist their imagination in this next practice? I think you may discover why Jesus said our faith should be more like theirs. Together, let's create a space to hear from our God this morning. Would you close your eyes and quiet your minds, eliminate all other distractions, Last week, Kua introduced us to a song, and the lyrics of that have been running through my head all week, and I keep hearing God asking me to receive from him. So would you take that posture of receiving as Andy sings? Give me vision to see 
like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do. God, you promise that when we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. Lord, I believe you are massive. You are so big that every person hearing my voice right now is in your presence. Jesus, would you open the eyes of our heart and allow us to see you? Right now, in the quiet of this moment, would you simply ask him, Lord, where are you in this room with me right now? Whatever comes to mind, just picture that. What does he look like? What is he wearing? Is he sitting or standing? Is he close to you or across the room? While Andy continues to sing, keep looking at Jesus. What expression does he have on his face as he looks back at you? Remember, the kingdom of God is the world set right. It is the world where everything is as he says it should be. So why don't we ask him what that could be like? Jesus, what is one thing you want me to know about your kingdom? How is it different than the kingdoms of man? Don't think, just listen.
Jesus, you are King of Kings, the name above every other name, the name that is overcome. Righteousness and justice are the foundations of your throne. Blessed are those, says the Psalms, who walk in the light of your presence. God, that is my prayer for every person I'm speaking to this morning and for us as a church together. God, would you teach us how to walk with you and how to bring all of our questions and all of our opinions into the light of your loving correction. God, I pray that we would be a people who have one loyalty, one allegiance, one leader, and that is you. God, anywhere we've pledged our allegiance elsewhere or divided our loyalty between you and something else, would you forgive us and call us back to yourself? Give us a hunger for your word and a desire to seek you in prayer. Lord, we need to be humbled so that we can become a part of your kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. Would you sing with us? there is so much to experience and to learn as we hear from God. But remember, it takes practice. I only gave you guys one minute to listen, and I could tell some of you were twitchy. It's okay. It takes practice. In fact, we'd like to actually help you with that. If you go to grow.ctk.church and click on spiritual disciplines, you're going to find step-by-step ways to practice both prayer and Bible reading. And I'd like to make a suggestion. If you click on that Bible reading, go into that page, look for entering the narrative. It is a really cool way to actually step into a story in scripture and let God speak to you in the midst of the action. It works really well with families and also with small groups. So I encourage you, give it a try this week. And for those of you who've experienced our shadows of the cross in the past, I wanted to give you a heads up that we are hoping to do that again at the end of the summer as a way to guide you through deeper experiences of this listening prayer together. 
You know, some mornings I wake up these days and I'm feeling it, the weight of it, all of it, and I don't know what to do. And other days I wake up ready to take action. If I can just figure out what's gonna make a difference, I'm doing it. And on both of those days, the very best place that I can start is sitting across from Jesus with my Bible out, ready to have a real conversation. Church, the very best thing that you can bring this world is more of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Fue un placer abrir la palabra de Dios con ustedes hoy. Vaya con Dios, mis hermanos. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next weekend. Thanks again for watching. We're so glad that you joined us today. Once again, we hope you'll get involved in biblical face-to-face community wherever you happen to be today. If you'd like more information about Christ the King Community Church, if you'd like to give online, or if you'd like to submit a prayer request, or even get connected in a small group, you can find out more about us at ctk.church.